Hi, I'm Christine Dorr, owner of NeoCoco. And I'm Tammy Tan, owner of Spicehound. And we are co-owners of Kitchen 519, our shared-use commercial kitchen in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to Lettuce Wrap, the podcast about food, food business, and the people who work in the industry. Today, we're talking to Dan Mills of Tinker Kitchen. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for inviting us to your gorgeous space, your huge, beautiful, white kitchen. So sparkly. Yes. <laughs> In the mission yes. of San Francisco. Thank you. So, I mean, that kitchen, how long did it take for you to build that out? It took us a very long time. I spent like five years building out, not the build out. The build out itself was maybe two and a half years, but it was like five years from when I had the idea to when I actually opened. <laughs> yeah. It was a very long project. Like we spent a year looking for real estate. We spent, I mean, like months in permitting hell and you know, you name it, we went through it. It was it was awful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> when you got the kitchen space, when you figured out where you were gonna be, mm-hmm. were you working on plans and everything before that? Yeah. So so I really wanted to build a uh, a makerspace. And so I, I had this concept in my mind of, of what I wanted the space to be. And looking for real estate, I, I would I'm the kind of person who would fall in love with spaces and would actually like like plan out how I, I envisioned the space to look like. Like I would I, I taught myself CAD and I would like make oh, CAD models oh, of you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a total nerd. Um that's an engineer <laughs> yeah. at heart. <laughs> and, and and so I would kind of stop looking for other spaces even before I had signed a lease. And so I would, it it was a very bad way to go about it. So you were drawing it out before you even saw a space. Yeah, because you really have to know if like before you sign a space, you have to know if that's going to work for you. And the problem with my concept, it it was so, so different than anything else out there that it's very hard to know, like, does the space work or not? So um, is is the concept you have now the original concept? I mean, this is what it is, or has it changed? Yeah, does, it actually, look like, does it look like the drawing? Yeah, it very much. Yeah, I will show you the drawings I have. Uh, have like a SketchUp model that looks exactly like like this face. Uh, so I did build what I set out to build. Um, the The concept has changed a little bit in execution. Uh, from what I originally thought it was going to be like, um, but it still has all of the components that. Uh, that I thought we would have. Well, I think I think we should say what it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> I was like, far off. very good you point. Better talk about. You know, yes. We've been it. We've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. tell us about it. Okay. So uh, so Tinker Kitchen is a makerspace. So we are a commercial kitchen, but we are open not just to businesses who want to manufacture a product, um, but also for entrepreneurs who are maybe doing R and D. And for hobbyists who just want a cool space to hang out in and maybe try out some like cool commercial kitchen equipment, maybe have like a dinner party, just, you know, have fun in the kitchen. So we have a really wide range of types of people who come and use the space. And it's really interesting to see like the interactions of uh, like groups that usually don't meet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I can imagine. Yeah. So like today, for example, we have a kid's day camp mm-hmm. uh, for the summer. And so we have like little kids, you know, cooking in the kitchen. Um, and that's not atypical for us. Like uh, during the summer, we'll have kids camps and that's, that's fine. And it's a shared kitchen. So like right now, a member could come in and and want to use the space to prototype their keto bars or make, 
salad dressing or whatever it is. And, and that's totally fine. Like we, we have enough space that people can kind of share the kitchen that way. And in membership? Oh, yeah. So we have uh, that's the other thing that's pretty different from other spaces is that we have a membership model. So uh, people can become members of our space, pay a monthly fee, and then they can come and use the kitchen anytime w- without scheduling time. Um, we also have classes, there are scheduled events and things like that. But but as a member, you can basically like as long as we're not booked out for an event, then you can just come in and use the space. Has that worked out well? I mean, have you had issues with the whole um Somebody showing up and, you know, or like a bunch of people showing up at yeah. one time. So it, it actually has not been an issue. We have never had to turn anybody away. And the community that we have is very, people are very nice and will share the space. So, you know, if, if the kitchen is empty and somebody's making stuff, like they'll maybe take out multiple tables. But then if more people come in, you can just be like, hey, can you just kind of collapse back into one table? And, and people are fine with it because they know it's a shared kitchen. And so that's like, we kind of set it up as like, that's kind of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, so nice. Yeah. Everybody. So we have a very affordable membership. It's just 150 a month. So if you are like looking to prototype your product, that's actually a pretty good price. Uh, but then it's a shared space. So you have to be aware that, you know, at any time, like some more people could come in and do stuff around you. What are you getting mostly of like classes or entrepreneurs, yeah, so, R&D? Or- so so the, the part that I said was a bit different than what I envisioned um, is that we are doing a lot more private events for like corporate team building events than, oh. than I thought we would. Uh, it was always in the plan, um, but is is a way bigger percentage of my revenue than I, I had originally planned for. So it's it's good and bad. They are more work, I guess, because you ha- it's like an event that you have to produce. But on the other hand, it it's like a known quantity. So uh, as opposed to like somebody just came in and wants to bake 3,000 cookies, <laughs> like, right. which we've also had, right? <laughs> <laughs> we had a kindergarten teacher who wanted to make cookies for every parent and every teacher. And oh my <laughs> so goodness. she literally came and baked like thousands of cookies. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was not a hypothetical. That was like an actual example. <laughs> oh, wow. So then um, what is the breakdown now, though? You have what percentage is corporate events? What percentage is... So um- in terms of revenue is probably like is over half of our revenue is corporate events. Oh, wow. Do you expect that to grow? So it was actually a in a very deliberate strategy to grow it. It, it was not an accident that it happened. Um, it's when we started out, I, I looked at the different like the different products that we offered, I guess, and, and I kind of decided to just focus on growing corporate events because it was the one that was it had the kind of clearest ROI. Like you put in some work in finding a company and then get them to book an event and then they book an event and then you make money. It's like, it's a very tight cycle um, as opposed to like membership is a much longer like quote unquote sales cycle. It's like, you know, people have to discover what you are. You are this weird thing, right? That nobody's ever heard of before. It's like, well, we're kind of like a gym, except it's a kitchen. <laughs> so you come here to gain calories, uh, and <laughs> and so um, maybe I should partner with a gym, right? <laughs> then, there you go. Like you getting them here, you lose them over there. Um, so uh, yeah, so so it's it's like that that like making a, a sale for for a new member um, is a much 
tougher proposition because people don't even know what you are. So you just have a much bigger mountain to climb versus a corporate event. It's like a very known quantity. Companies want to do it. They have budget for it. Like, you know what their budget is. It's like, it's just like, you just got to pr- pr- produce the right event and then that's it. So are, are you like uh, hosting, like literally there to teach everybody and show everybody how so to do this? right now, yes. Uh, and it is insane. Um, so I'm, I'm all, also basically here all the time to keep the space open. That is just starting to change in the past like month or so. Um, I have a part-time person who will at least like close up shop a couple times a week so I can go home. But otherwise, we're open 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I'm, I'm here at least those hours and often more. And then if we have an event, if it's a big event, then we'll We'll close the space, like quote unquote close, like like members can't come, right? Um, but I still have to be here because we have the event. So uh, so I have to like, you know, figure out how to go shopping for it and like put it together. And you're open seven days a week. I mean, there's six days. Yeah, oh, we, six I days. close on Tuesdays, which is the one day that I will like do the shopping for any events or like repairs will happen on Tuesdays or like just anything that I have to like go out and do. So it ends up not really being a day off, <laughs> right. even though that's kind of what I wanted it to be. <laughs> but now you're you're starting to bring in people to help you out, like you said, a part-time person. Yeah, I um, so I, I brought in a part-time person to just kind of man the shop for a little while. Um, and I'm also getting more help on events. I discovered Paired, which I didn't know about before somehow. <laughs> Okay, uh, paired. I know you're gonna have to nice be a plug. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they should. You, uh, oh, they should definitely. You're not sponsor. the first person to you talk about them. Not the first. Well, I've been person. pretty happy. I just signed up a few weeks ago, and it's been great. I know. Um, I, I use paired too. Nice. I a hired lot. somebody from paired. I swear, nice. every person we've talked to that has needed help, you know, has all every single one almost have mentioned paired. I know. I know. So then with the events, I mean, these are usually what? Cooking classes, right? I mean... Yeah, so what I did is I kind of worked out a few activities that I felt were fun and scalable. Um, And so we worked out, like, there's a chocolate-making one, a pasta-making one, an ice-cream-making one, and then we can sometimes combine those topics. Um, I just recently, like in the past week, like updated our offering to include some competitions, so we can do an ice cream making competition or a cookie making competition. And I've been kind of prototyping that with some companies. Mm-hmm. So it's just like ready to launch now. And um, how large of a group can you accommodate? We can fit. So it depends on the activity. Uh, we can fit like up to 50 people in the space. Uh, but that's that's pretty tight. That's like standing only. We we can comfortably do, depending on the event, like if it's chocolate, we can comf- comfortably do like 40 people without much of an issue but it depends what it is like if it's a hands-on very hands-on thing that like pasta is a bit harder i think to scale that big but we can do like you know 35 easily oh wow yeah so it's pretty good we've got it down to a formula now (laughs) so it's it's very doable uh, especially if i hire some help and uh, and what you're seeing is actually the same companies come back. There's not burnout out there, right? Like- I have both new companies as well as repeat companies. Some companies are, are really into cooking events, um, and and they will come back like again and again and again. Other companies, like it might be their first time, and it depends on kind of what how big they are and what their schedule is. Um, like they say, like oh, like we'll definitely do it again, like next year. But sometimes they're like tiny companies, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it 
it depends. It's all over the map. Because, I mean, once again, when you have these kind of corporate events, they are one-offs, right? In a sense, you know? And so, I mean, having the membership is a sustained revenue. Correct. Yes. So, it, it was, I think, the right strategy for us to grow event to grow events. Um, but the, the better long-term strategy is to grow membership. And that's what I wanted the space to be anyway. So, that's it definitely jives with what I want the space to be. Yeah, so let's go back a little bit. How did you come up with this idea for Tinker Kitchen? <laughs> so I, so my my background is in tech. Uh, I was an engineer and a product manager, and basically I'm a nerd. And I loved, always loved cooking and the science of cooking and food. I grew up in Venezuela, and so I, when I came to the U.S. for college, I, I missed my family's home cooking. I guess that's for everybody, not just people from Venezuela, but. You know, it happened to me and there was like no, like there's no Venezuelan restaurants <laughs> around uh, where I went to college. And so, so I started kind of cooking a bit on my own. Where did you go to college? I went to Duke in North Carolina. There were no, I mean, there might be an Arepa place now. I don't know. Uh, but, but not when I went. Long story short, I, I basically, I love food and I love science and I wanted, I, I would consume all this media um, that is portraying like all this cool combination of science and cooking and i wanted to do it uh like i wanted to play around with liquid nitrogen i wanted to play around with like a centrifuge or whatever it is i was one of those early sous vide adopters i had like this crazy like fish tank set up with an immersion heater and an aquarium bubbler and all kinds of stuff and you have this in your house you're playing i used to have it in my house yeah and i actually had so much equipment in my house that it was like literally overflowing from our kitchen my my wife, who who was then my girlfriend, so she was very cool and put up with me, like basically expanding the kitchen. She okayed me expanding the kitchen into the living room. So we got we had carpeting, but we I got like a like a dance floor that you can put on top oh, of the carpet. Okay, yeah. So I had a hard floor, and then I put tables and racks. So I had more kitchen space and I'm you know more equipment. It was ridiculous. And you're just playing with you're just playing around with this yeah, equipment by yourself you're not yeah and that's like, having thing. people like, over i actually really enjoy cooking and eating it's a very social thing uh and so it was both like intellectually stimulating for me to cook and learn about food but i also wanted to share with other people and and then kind of at the same time i knew about the maker movement and i knew about maker spaces so maker spaces uh you know other than us basically like all maker spaces are focused on manufacturing they will have like 3D printers and laser cutters or like, you know, different ones have different things, but they're all kind of about making stuff. And I thought, oh, it's weird that there isn't a makerspace that's like focused around food because food is a very like, you know, like cooking is a maker thing, but it just somehow there weren't any. And so I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like if there was one, I would be a member and like maybe I need to build this thing. Ah, and so, ah, <laughs> that's kind of how it happened. You saw an epiphany yep. right there. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I thought it would be easy. It's the other answer. Oh. <laughs> is, that, is that I thought like, oh, like how hard can it be, right? It's like it's a room and it's a kitchen and it has stuff. And that's it, right? Oh, it's like, like conceptually very simple. And then, uh, yeah, five years later, <laughs> here I am. So this is a hobby for you. This what at the time it was a hobby. You could have a full time job. You were just correct. Doing yeah, this at, yeah. I had evening. a full time job in tech, and I, I just I had cooking as a hobby, and uh, I left my job and then decided to start this. And okay, so how much time in between having the idea 
and actually stepping into your kitchen here. That was about five years okay. total. Yeah. And it was a very long time. Tell us in between. <laughs> so in between, oh man, uh, like looking for real estate was really hard. I Just everything about it is hard. Like commercial real estate, like I think most people don't realize that it's very different from residential. And it's, uh, I guess, um, people of our generation already are like very used to like buying stuff with the internet. So it's like, it feels like things that you want should be things that you like browse and then like click shop, like mm-hmm. click buy now, right? And like mm-hmm. thing appears, right? It's like instant Amazon. But like real estate is not like that. <laughs> real estate is like <laughs> you like put in an inquiry, they might not even answer to you. And then like you're wondering why they didn't answer. You you like write them again, you send them your like like financial information, and then they like maybe answer, then you negotiate. And it's it's like <laughs> then you have to negotiate with the city. I mean, it's not really a negotiation, it's just like, you know, applying for permits, but basically it feels like you're negotiating. Um But you knew you wanted it in San Francisco. No, I actually first started in Mountain View because that's where we used to live. Oh. Um, oh. And I, I found the space. I negotiated a lease with the landlord. I had it all like I, uh, I was like ready to sign. And then right um, downtown, like Castro. No, it was uh, Rangsdorf and Central Expressway. Oh. It was a little strip mall there. Yeah, and um, it was a smaller space than this. So, City of Mountain View wanted me to do a public hearing. Because they were like, oh, we don't know what you are, which is the problem with doing a innovative business is like nobody knows how to classify you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that should be a plus, but it's a huge minus in, in business execution because like classification is just so important, actually. It's a re- real bummer. <laughs> like we just cannot deal with innovative things. <laughs> so and, and um, even in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the city like really wanted me to be like a, either a restaurant or something else. So anyway, they 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 thought I was some kind of studio, which sounds reasonable, except that that required a public hearing. And then that was an insane process that took like seven months out of my life. And it actually, it was a horrible, horrible experience. Uh, it actually took, it took so long that by the time that, that it happened, I had lost the lease. Because I, I didn't want to sign the lease until the city had said yes, because it seemed crazy to sign a lease when you don't know if you're going to be able to do the business there that must have been really disappointing yeah it was terrible and the the crazy thing is like the city eventually said yes but it just took so long that like how can you how can you deal with that or how did you even keep going like wouldn't you be like yeah I, i almost gave up like at that point so let's see when when that happened i I was. I, I Were you a, still working at the same time? I mean, you no. I had already quit, and I was doing a stage at Japanese, just working there because I I didn't know what to do, and I was like pulling my hair out, and and so I thought, well, I'll just go work at a restaurant for a while, and then I ended up getting a stage at Japanese. Uh, so that was amazing, mm-hmm. and then at the same time, I'm waiting for Mountain View to like do their thing, and it kind of all happened while I was staging there. I lost the lease and then Mountain View said yes. <laughs> and then, like a week after. And uh, and I was like, I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, what is the universe trying to tell me? Yeah, it's just so horrible. And then at the same time, I'm having such a great time like doing the internship that I was like, I'm like, I love this. Um, how can I like let other people experience even like a tiny slice of this? And then I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll just, I, I'll keep looking but in a different city. But you didn't think, I'm just going to keep working, you know, in the in kitchens. 
Um, no, actually, I I loved it, but I I think it's not for me. You, and you still had your vision of what you. Yeah, I still yeah. wanted to build an experience for other people. Plus, his wife probably wanted to get rid of all the equipment <laughs> in the house. That right? is very true. <laughs> I can point to specific pieces that uh-huh. were in like our room, <laughs> like the big big centrifuge that we have underneath the table. That was a coffee table that we had. Oh, oh no! Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's enormous. And then, like, what do you do with that thing? <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, it's really heavy too. So to move it, I. I had to like convince some friends to help me move it. We will have some of the pictures on our Instagram of this machine. So what, why San Francisco? Yeah. So, so after Mountain View fell apart, I, I looked at other cities. I looked at Oakland, I looked up the peninsula and then kind of on a whim, I, I decided to look at San Francisco, even though San Francisco had a reputation for being more difficult. <laughs> it's funny because I, I feel like it was difficult but the specific step that we got stuck on in Mountain View was easier in San Francisco. So when I looked at the San Francisco regulation and stuff, I was like, well, like maybe it'll be better. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> at, at any point in the journey, it felt like whatever I was stuck on was like the major block. I mean, it was the major blocker at the time, but it felt like it was the like after that, like that'll open the floodgates and like it'll be smooth sailing from here on. But it that's not actually how it happened. It, it was like just one thing after another, like after whatever it is, like, af, you know, I felt like after I lease real estate, it'll be easy. After I hire a contractor, it'll be easy. After I get my permits approved, it'll be easy. After like, it's, there's Once always open, something, right? Yeah, yeah, easier. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, no, it never actually gets easier. Yeah. <laughs> so is it easy now, now that you're open? It It is easier in that, I feel like we have reached some stable state where the business can at least support itself, except that I am working too hard and I'm going to burn out. So I think I have, I have like precious months to figure out how to make the business be independent, more independent. How do you know? How do you know that you're there? There. That that you're about to burn out? Oh. How do you uh, know? Because a lot of people don't know. feel really tired all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also six days a week, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And yeah. does your wife say something as well? Yeah. So my wife, so she's been super supportive of the whole thing. Um, and in fact, when we moved to San Francisco, she got a different job. She's also in tech, but she got a job at a company here in San Francisco. And then we got a an apartment a block away from Tinker Kitchen. So after she's done with work, she can come here to the space. And so we can see each other, but that's like, I mean, it's not quality. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's like, it's, this is a public space, right? Right. So it's not the same as hanging out at home. So it's, that's difficult. I think just to not be able to have more like quality time with, with family. But you moved all the way up here then for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different life living. It is extremely different. Yeah, we we there are things that we don't like and things that we like. I I would say that on the whole, we are more like suburban people, Um, which I would not have guessed actually. But I we when we go back down to the peninsula to visit um we're like wow everything is so clean (laughs) (laughs) and you can park and you can (laughs) park anywhere yeah so we we definitely miss that but but you know what like um being here in the mission like we have gotten to know our neighbors in a way that 
that I we never did in like years and years of living in the peninsula. So like we know personally the owners of businesses around the neighborhood. We walk to them, we wave hello when we're walking by their stormfronts. So it's it's a it's a very different like much more communal experience that I was not expecting. What about the customer customer members, I guess you'd say, and the companies? Of our space? Yes. Different kind of of clientele than you have. So if I had done the business on the peninsula, it it would have had to be more family focused, I think, like more family activities. Here in San Francisco, it's it's more, it's it's a bigger split between the entrepreneurs and the like young 20 somethings looking for a hobby. Um, I would say like those are our two main groups. People who just want to have fun in the kitchen because they want, you know, cooking as a hobby and like, and they're like, probably have some kind of tech or science background or something that attracts a kick, kind of similar to how I became interested in it. Sure. Um, but younger. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and, the, and then the, the entrepreneurs and the people kind of looking to like prototype some idea. Um, or maybe they're like food scientists and they're like working for a client or prototyping ideas, but for, for a third party. We've had a too. Oh, that's that's kind of unique. And you can write it off. They, you know, the company pays for it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and and <laughs> nice. that's that's also how I pitched uh, people for uh, to do like uh, like private events, like company events. I'm like, hey, like if you want to come hang out in our space oh. and do something here, but you want to have your company pay for it, we can do an event for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, <laughs> that actually like people don't think that way, and when I say it, I'm like, oh yeah, like maybe I can do that. <laughs> so, it works. Do you get also like community events and do you get like birthday parties or you we know, have, special events? Like yeah, that? we definitely have. We haven't had too many of them. I think in part because our rental price um, is a little expensive for a birthday party. And that's because we have to we have to kick our members out. So it, it has to be worth it for us to close because there's a real opportunity cost to closing. But that's it. We, we definitely have had uh, birthday parties and, and other events. And sometimes... If there's an idea that's like cool enough, like I'll just say like we're just gonna we're gonna do this. So for example, a few weeks ago we had a we had an art show. So I have a friend who is uh, an artist and is connected to a lot of other artists and put together like a collective, and she was able to like basically organize the whole thing. And so we have art on our walls right yeah, now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so that's from the art show. Oh. They're gonna take that down, I guess, sometime next month. And, but we also had a bunch of sculptures. So we, we turned the whole space. Uh, we had live music. They brought two bands. It was a whole production. And, wow. and they basically put it together. It was super, super fun. Um, and so different from anything else that we do. What, what I told them is if you can tell the artist to try to do something food related, you know, it's not a requirement, but that's a plus. And we had some really interesting, pretty wild food art. We had like a food sculpture that was made, it was encased in resin, but it had like, kind of like half rotting food it's called gut feeling and it was like something out of like a horror movie but it was like super cool to see <laughs> yeah well, yeah you're not yeah. gonna get that on the peninsula oh yeah um, <laughs> only in san francisco exactly. but we had we had all kinds of stuff we had like uh different kinds of art we had uh like a really ginormous boba um glass like like really really big like made of like acrylic or something it was really cool looking um we had i mean plus all the stuff on the walls right now so things have happened here that you had not expected oh not at all yeah i I mean i i always so i explicitly designed it to be as flexible as possible that was like my one guiding star when i when i designed the space is i i wanted it to be able to uh, accommodate for things that i had not envisioned yet 
So there were like a few things that I was like, sure, like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then like, I want to, I want it to be flexible so I can like, accommodate anything, even things that I did not anticipate. So I think you're working with an architect at, in the beginning. Well, and so oh. how, how do you, I mean, how do you explain this to somebody? Yeah. So I was kind of a cheapskate. So I worked with the cheapest possible architects and designers that I could find. Well, that's not true. First, I hired uh, somebody who was very good, but then was too expensive. And, and I decided to then go my own way. So that, that's when I taught myself like SketchUp and CAD. And I started doing a lot of the design work myself and then like bugging my designer friends for like, how do you design this? And what should my color palette be? And like, how do you design lighting and sound? And it's intense. I would not recommend it to anyone, but um, <laughs> it is what I did. But you did it because you loved it also, not just because you couldn't afford it, but... Um, yeah, it was did. both. I, I I I guess my like nerdy tendencies kind of like come out. <laughs> when this so when you stuff. look out there, what nerdy things are out there that, that you can totally see that you've done? In, in our space? Yes. Well, so in addition to the design, let's see, um, there's our check-in we have like a like an iPad where people can check in when they come into the space so that we know like who was here and they have to like you know agree to stuff and uh and at first I went I tried to using some app like off the shelf app but then it was too expensive I thought and so I built my own <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is why it's good to have a software engineering background yeah <laughs> sort of I mean you, one could argue that I should have just paid for it something and focused on other more burning aspects of the business but um, it, it feels like you know sometimes when uh, what's that saying like when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail <laughs> so so the way it manifests itself is that for me, like creating a software thing is a very fun and comfortable thing. And, it, you know, way more comfortable than like figuring out sales, right? <laughs> or marketing. Yeah. And so, f so in, in that sense, it was very bad because it, it allowed me to do something that, <laughs> like my wife says, like that is not gener revenue generating activity. Right. <laughs> so I have the a tendency sometimes to, yeah, to do some things that are yeah. kind of like, I can justify it in some roundabout way for why it's good for the business. Mm -hmm. But like, really, there's something else that you should be doing. <laughs> Does she help you focus? I mean, is she your yeah. staffing board? Um, yeah, except that I, I don't want to abuse that, like, because she's like so close to it that, um, you know, she has her own job. Like, she, like, she's also stressed out about her own uh problems and so i i think it's uh it's it's tough i think in a relationship to have like as an entrepreneur i'm always thinking about this stuff and and i can become kind of obsessive about it and so i think i just need to set myself like reminders to like like dial it back <laughs> and like sometimes like i don't need to take <laughs> problems to her, right? Right. Yeah. So that's the secret to a good marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Believe me, I think we all know about yeah. that, right? Work work life balance. But um, actually, getting back to sales and just the core of it, money. Yeah. How did you get the funding for all of this? Is are you did you bootstrap it yourself, or did you get yeah, partners, so, investors? Um, it's all like myself plus friends and family. Um, uh, we did a Kickstarter at the end um but the kickstarter was more to just get the community to coalesce around it um i didn't want to do a kickstarter early on because i 
there, was, there seemed to be so much risk around the project as a whole. Um, and I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that guy that has the Kickstarter that runs for five years and mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't deliver anything. So, um, so I, I did the Kickstarter like a, a month or two before we opened or something. Oh, it's just like to buy some last equipment and, and get people to like pre buy, like right. pre buy memberships. But you didn't realize at the time it was going to be a five year endeavor. I mean, you, <laughs> in your mind, did you think it was a one year, a two year, a three year? I mean, I thought it'd be, yeah, like a year. Okay. Yeah. I thought it'd be much, much simpler. And I mean, it, it, yeah, I don't even know. Did you have a business plan? Oh, yeah. Of course I had a business plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no um, timeline on it. Uh, yeah, because it, everything felt like a question mark, right? It's like, well, like the like from where from when do you count? Like, do you count from when you sign the lease, or like, <laughs> we have the idea? Like, I, yeah, at this or, point, I have yeah. the idea, and I'm just looking for a space, right? right. And then so you, and then you have the space, and you're like, okay, at this point, I have the space. I'm looking for a contractor. So I, I definitely did have a business plan um, all the way from the beginning. Pretty much, it's like one of the first things I did was I, you know, opened up Excel and started <laughs> doing modeling. Did you go to SBA or? SBDC? Um, not really. I think I contacted somebody once, but they weren't super useful. And my my wife used to do finance a long time ago. And so I she helped me kind of set up some of the templates in Excel. And then I would annoy her with random questions of like, <laughs> how do I do this in Excel? up with the name tinker kitchen um was the suggestion of a friend of mine uh who is extremely good at many things including naming things that's a great name yeah it's a fantastic name he gave me like a list of 20 things and they were all good and this one was the best and it was the best on many fronts like it 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 describes the concept it is playful it uh, had great seo like it wasn't taken it's uh, shocking it was shocking right yeah but there were only like very few mentions of of the word. So um, yeah, so it was it's great. <laughs> I'm really happy with the name. It is good. Yeah, and I got it for free because my friend is very nice. <laughs> so, do you have competitors? Um, I mean, everybody has competitors. Like people could be doing something else. I don't think I have a direct competitor for the hobbyists. Like, instead of being here, they could have a dinner party at home or they could just go watch a movie, <laughs> right? But, um, yeah, there, there isn't, like, another... They could go take a cooking class, but then those are one-offs. They're not hangout spaces. For the entrepreneurs, uh, my competitors would be, like, more traditional commercial kitchens. Um, but the thing is, we're, we're really not gunning for production. We, we, have, we have one company that's going to start doing production here uh soon as soon as they get their pfr approved but that's like the only the only one and and it's only temporary is we're really at best at best we're an incubator right like we're never going to be like a real like just dedicated production kitchen you, you just don't have the space we right? don't have the space we don't have like we don't have like we're really just aiming at like innovators like ideating the product, like doing the development, maybe doing like the very initial uh, runs to figure out like, is this a thing that I want to scale up? But, you know, sometimes like people just go straight from here to a co-packer and that's fine with us, right? And sometimes they they keep us as the R&D space 
and they go like co-pack it somewhere else, but but they keep us as like they you know they still come here and do their R and D here. How long have you been open? We've been open for almost a year at this point. It's crazy to think that it's been almost a year, but yeah. And wow. and do you feel like you've outgrown or that you can see potential in? No, I, I feel like there's a lot more to do yeah. in this space. Yeah. The space sits empty for chunks of time. And I, I think that one of the things that I, like as the GM, needs to do is is maximize use of the space. There's definite definite potential for for more just just from that kind of numbers only um, outlook. And your members, do you train them on the equipment, like you <laughs> know, and, and how how it is to work in a commercial kitchen or not commercial? But I don't know in a space where there's other lots yeah. of people doing different things. Yeah. So um, so we I designed the space to be very spacious. So even though it is all built as a commercial kitchen, most commercial kitchens are that I've seen at least are a little bit tighter. I, I had my walkways like around the the tables like very wide because I expect people to not know how to behave in a commercial kitchen. But of course, the, the equipment is commercial equipment. So you, you kind of need to know how to use it. So what I tell members is um, like, don't be intimidated. And just before you use an unfamiliar thing, just just come ask me. Like I'm always here. I know how to use all of it. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time doing that. I do spend a lot of time training people and then training people on like how we liked our tables to be cleaned and things like that. Cause we have like particular processes for how, like how we like to clean our wood tables, for example, that, that I wouldn't expect anybody to just know, but it's, it's a friendly thing. It, it It's not, and most people want to do the right thing. So, you know, we've had very few bad experiences, like not, not much of not much equipment breakage, for example, like very little, and um, like some people who haven't really wanted to clean up, but you know those kind of people end up sorting themselves out and not staying on as members because they don't they're not into the vibe. Sure. So everybody who stays on, uh, they're actually the nice people, <laughs> yeah. and they're like the people who want to. So you haven't had to kick somebody out because of bad behavior or not thing? explicitly. No, no. I had I had one group that that was kind of misbehaving and I just started kind of putting on fees and I really didn't know what to do at the time. This was very early on. So I really didn't want to kick him out. <laughs> <'cause> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, in, in time, like now it feels, I don't know, somehow quaint. Like, it, like it's, it turned out fine. Like I got other members, they left and it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but have you learned? I mean, like what are the lessons learned? Like, do you have to have like house rules now? Something yeah. Like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of developed a bit more of a structure, but it's still a very loose structure. But it's, I think a lot of it is, um, is in how you talk to people and how you set like the expectations, not by prescribing like, here's the checklist, but rather, and just saying kind of what the spirit is, right? Like we are a community kitchen. We want the space to be like open, clean and accessible to everybody. So if you see anybody that needs help, like you should, you should go help them. Like they're nice. Everybody's, everybody else is also nice. Like you should go talk to them, right? And if you don't know how to do something, like just ask, right? Like you don't know how to clean the tables. That's totally fine. Like we'll teach you how we like to clean the tables. Maybe you clean your table somewhere, like some in some different way. That That's fine. But here we clean them like this, right? So things like that. And like how to use the dishwasher. Dishwasher is kind of intimidating to a lot of people. You know, like we'll, I'll wash dishes for other people if, like if I'm around and I have time, like that's okay. And then oh my goodness, kinda, that's a slippery slope. You know, I, I kind of thought so at 
first, but I think it's all in the framing. Like it's not like I'm not trying to, I'm not setting an expectation that I'm here to wash your dishes. I'm just doing you a favor because you're unfamiliar with the washing equipment. And like, I'll wash it. I'm going to wash my stuff anyway. I'll wash your two dishes. Right. But like, of course, if you're going to wash a bunch of stuff, like, you know, yeah. I expect you to (laughs) learn how to work the dishwasher, right? So I think that's why I say like a lot of it is in the framing and how to set the expectations. And it's like the um, soft skills, like how you present it to people rather than like a very formal, like this is the stuff that you need to do. Okay, so other lessons learned then from... The time that you had started to the time now, are there things that you would tell other entrepreneurs like, maybe you should not plan your You should stay in your job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so seriously, I think that anybody who launches into a venture like this or, or anything new should be prepared for catastrophe. Right. Like if you're not if you're not prepared to like either stick it out on or like deal with it not working out, like you, you should probably not do it. Because it is a possibility. Like it can happen. And I'm not just saying that to be negative about it. Like it's just uh, I just think that sometimes people uh myself included, like you have very like rose colored glasses and you will imagine the best possible scenario. But realistically, like it, like sometimes it doesn't work out or it works out in a very different way than what you thought. And maybe it's a lot more work and you need to be able to deal with that. So I think being a little, trying to be a bit more objective about the, the likely and the possible, that's one thing. And then the other thing is to have like grit, like you really need to stick it out because I think most businesses like don't go according to plan. So you need to be able to like stick it out. <laughs> but there's also the other side of it too, right? There's also a lot of businesses that do stick it out mm-hmm. and maybe they shouldn't have stuck it out. Yeah, right? for sure. But I mean, that's almost like a different conversation. That's like, it's it's hard to give like generic advice about when you should or shouldn't stick it out. Like some, yeah, some people launch into a thing and then it, it's not for them. and they didn't know that at the beginning and now they're kind of locked in. I mean, I think that even happened to me to some extent, right? Like I, I spent five years building this space and I didn't imagine it was going to take five years. And probably if I had correctly imagined that it was going to take five years and what it would actually take, like maybe I wouldn't have done it. Um, but now I'm kind of glad I did it anyway. So I wouldn't say it's all bad. Like for sure, I'm super proud of what I built and I think it's like great. It's like one of the joys of my life is to see people who didn't know each other, like meet each other and start cooking together. It's like amazing to see, right? So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that. So what is the next step for Tinker Kitchen? Yeah, so next, next step for Tinker Kitchen is uh, to grow our membership base and to figure out ways to decouple it from me a little bit. Um, so that I don't have to be here quite as much because uh, I'm here basically every day, uh, all day, and so I I need to figure out how to like at least have a weekend, <laughs> and then and then potentially decouple even more because if we're if if either we're gonna grow or it's gonna survive long term, like it, it we I have to figure that out, and so I've been like kind of working on different models for how how I'm gonna be able to make that work. 
that's I think that my next preoccupation is is how to do that. Um, your exit plan. My exit plan. I think it's kind of as I described, like decouple more. I I want to try and make sure that it survives no matter what we do. So regardless of, so like I don't think we're ready to grow as in like set up another location. Though it could eventually happen, I don't know. I think I think at first I would probably just want to make sure that this one can run independently from me, where I can kind of drop in, maybe do like high level management, but not really like be here day to day to run operations. That means we need to grow grow revenue to be able to hire staff to do. Because you know I work for free right now, but if I'm not going to be here, then somebody who's paid needs to be here. <laughs> so that's more expensive. So yeah, that's that's definitely the. That's the that's the direction, and and eventually I I see how I could either spin it off or have it be a passive thing that I check in with every now and then, and and either of those outcomes would be good. So in our next section, we like to do what we call rapid fire, just fun, so people can learn about you. Okay, what's your favorite kitchen tool? My combi oven. Okay, explain a combi yeah. oven. <laughs> okay, so a, a combi oven is uh, is an oven that has convection and also uh, can regulate the humidity in the cabinet, um, so it can inject steam. But it's not just a steam injection; it can also like control the amount of steam that it's injecting. Um, so you can you can set it to say like you know I want sixty percent humidity in the cabinet, and I want like this amount of fan speed and this temperature. Um, and they're they're really nice. The one I have is a is a German made oven that is fantastic i love it um we also have a smoker for it so it's like a super multi-purpose tool that can that can do seemingly anything (laughs) like beer or wine it used to be beer but i think these days is wine tea or coffee that's also it used to be coffee and now it's tea (laughs) (laughs) well cake or pie pie Mm, for sure oh that's definitive (laughs) yeah for sure pie my mom makes a great open face apple pie pancake or waffles pancakes what's your favorite thing to bake or cook i don't know if i have a favorite i i i like to try new things i have like some old favorites like i like to make venezuelan food i'm actually doing a pop-up in a month where we're gonna use the space to like pop up and i'm gonna do some venezuelan food Oh, and you're going to invite people to come and help you make it or just to eat? Both. Like some volunteers will come and help make it and then we'll we'll serve it. We'll kind of run it as a one night restaurant oh. and we'll have people come and like eat Venezuelan food. So it should be pretty, it's pretty exciting. What dish are you known for? You know, so in addition to my Venezuelan cooking, I, I like to make this Portuguese dish. I have no Portuguese roots whatsoever, but there's this, uh, there's a dish called the cataplana which I found a recipe for online. And now it's my go-to. It's like a video recipe that I have like linked on my browser. It is amazing. It is, um, it's like a tomato chorizo stew that has a ton of seafood in it. Ooh. It's really flavorful and it's great with like a piece of crusty bread. Oh, we're going to get that oh, video. So it's that. Good. Yeah. Well. <laughs> the best. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I would probably be back in tech. I, I did this because I, I love food and cooking, but I did not, like, I was very happy with my career in tech, actually. Um, 
I just needed to do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Compelled. Yeah. That's so, what I call it. So I, I do feel like I had to put my previous career on pause and and I don't know how hard it would be to restart it, but I think I was good at it. So whether that's hubris or not, I feel like if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be doing that. <laughs> what color is your toothbrush? Oh, I have a purple one right now, but I don't like the purple one. I want to go back to a blue one. Oh, see? <laughs> I know. See, we learned something. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in a food eating contest, what food would you choose to eat to win? Oh, no. Food eating contest. I don't know how well I'm doing that. Is that... Um, What's his name? Kobayashi? Is that guy still doing that? Oh man. He was amazing at hot dogs. I think I think I would I would do hot dogs. What about you, Tammy? I, I want to do ice cream. I want to eat ice cream. Try to eat ice cream. Remember, I told you this. I think it's a really disgusting to be in. I can't imagine it. I don't want to swim in it. I don't want to like eat it. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. But I was thinking like thing that you can eat efficiently. But you're thinking, like, what is a thing that yes, I like so much yes. that I would eat a lot yes, of it? Yes, 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 really, yes. I, It never occurred to me <laughs> and to think about, like, a delicious thing. <laughs> I'm, like, thinking, like, what is a thing that I can eat quickly? And you know what? Absolutely right, too, because it's, like, it's your thinking about it, right? It's, like, you're very engineer, which is... But then, I, unfortunately, we've been asking this question to a lot of people, and then, you know, I get this visceral every time. And... I have to say, my visceral reaction is to when we interviewed Lori and she said she wanted to bathe in cheese. And that's not something to oh, eat. It was just, wow. what do you want to bathe in? And I was like, no. I do love cheese. But then if you're bathing in the cheese, is the cheese hot? <laughs> See? <Warm>. Engineer. <laughs> Warm cheese. Well, Thank you so much, Dan, for your time today. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for inviting us to your kitchen. Oh, thank you. This was super fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for coming. And how can people find you? Uh, we are online at tinkerkitchen.org and we're physically in San Francisco at 3233 22nd Street. Great. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Let Us Wrap with Christine and Tammy. Thank you to our editor and producer, Jason Anthony Guy. We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts with us on Twitter or Facebook. We're at Let Us Wrap Pod or email us at lettucewrappod at gmail.com. Take it away, Dan. Until next time, it's a wrap.